Hey, before we jump in the word, um, there is some of us just as leaders, we've been praying and saying, God, is there anything you have for us tonight? And sometimes there's specific things we feel like he kind of puts on our hearts. Um, and so um, I just want to share them. And, and if this is kind of new for you, this is just the heart of God putting something on his kids' hearts. And we're just submitting it to the group and saying, maybe this applies. Okay. So here's the picture. You guys ever been in school and you're writing with a pencil and your pencil head breaks? Yep. You know that feeling? Like, I want to get this job done. I, want, I don't have to go sharpen my pencil. You know that moment where it's just like, oh, I just stopped momentum, okay? Um, so, some people felt like, had that picture and felt like that maybe some people in this room feel that way in life and they're ready to give up. That moment of, oh, it just broke again. I should get a new pencil. I have to get up and take care of this. This kind of like, I'm just tired of trying. And it's that I'm ready to give up. Okay? I'm not necessarily saying suicidal, but I'm just saying I'm going to take a little bit more of a hold of hopelessness. I take a little bit more of just, ah, I'm tired, I'm going to take a break. Okay? Um, so what I want to ask, if that feels like something in your life, we'd love to pray for you, not embarrass you, but to pray for you, because that's where, in our prayer, sometimes that's how God infuses hopes inside of us, where we just need, like, there's a journey ahead, and we need each other to say, I'm going to go forward. Okay, so just, is there anyone that that rings true that feels like that's where I'm at right now? Great, that's okay. Okay, great. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay, hey, we got people in the back. Come on, great. All right, a couple more hands. So what we want to do is just take a few minutes and we want to get around them. We want to lay hands on them. We want to pray for them. And I think like we did with Sam and Mac, it's just let the prayers of your heart come out and let them hear you pray. Because again, faith imparted into a place of praying for someone brings hope. And I think that's maybe what's needed. That I want to give up moment, that pencil lead just broke again. We all know that feeling in the natural, but maybe for them, they're actually feeling it inside. And that's God's gift to us as the body of Christ to pray for each other. Okay, so why don't we all stand up? If you raise your hand, can you just raise your hand again? I don't want to, definitely don't want to embarrass you. I just wanted to pray for you. Okay, can some of y'all, there's a couple in the back. Y'all come out from the back. There you go. Hey, so we're going to take a few minutes to pray for each other. So just find someone, their hands raised. If you didn't raise your hand and it re you, that means true to you, can you grab someone next to you and say, pray for me? I need it. Okay. Just for a couple minutes. God, and we thank you. We just agree, God, to every person that raised their hand. And we say, in the name of Jesus, let hope be infused in your soul and your mind. The hope that doesn't disappoint. The hope that guides you forward. The hope that becomes a light. That Jesus hope. We ask you, God, to infuse us in their bodies, in their hearts. God, we ask where it feels like this kind of cycle of I'm stuck, being stuck. I ask you in Jesus' name, liberate them and set them free. We ask for breakthrough, Lord, in their jobs or their living situation or their thought processes or the natural and the internal, God, that you'd come and break through, that this would be a significant week where, where, where it's like a 90-degree turn. We're going the other way. We trust you, Lord. We thank you for your grace. Amen. Amen. Good job. Thanks. So good. Um. Good job, everyone. 
You know, you know what's an amazing promise is your prayers are powerful and effective. And so even where you feel weak and you're like, I'm just saying words, if words matched with faith, God starts to do things. And that's the promise is when we pray is God, we, we invite God into what he, what he wants to do, but he's partnering with us. Um, hey, the last, um, this kind of t- season of life leading us to the summer, we have felt like in January we were praying about, God, what do you have for us? And this phrase kept coming to mind, connect the dots. And it's this question of what is like the kingdom of God and Jesus and his authority and his reign and rule, how in the world does that actually apply to my normal life? Like, how does that apply to my job? How does that apply to my roommates? How does that apply to, if you're single, I really wish I was married. How does this apply to this? You guys know that feeling at times? Yes, this is yes. Okay, if you're new here, I like response. We're in it together, right? Um, Please. Um, Okay, so... The last few months we've been in Abides, we've been talking about things that are just, we're trying to get super practical and go, what is this like, where the kingdom of God is, Jesus is king, his reign, his rule, his authority, and now how in the world does that apply to me if I work at Intel, or a teacher, or whatever, how in the world is that a work, if I taught school for several years, and there were days I didn't want to go in that classroom, I think the kids were in charge, and I wasn't, and I was trying hard to be, okay, how does that apply to your normal life? And so last month, we talked about the church, and prior to that, we talked about this extravagant worship and the simplicity of just trusting him. And so this, tonight, we actually want to talk about, you guys ready? Money. Whoa. Okay. Don't leave, please. Okay? If you've been in any church at any point, this is one of those weird moments in a church setting where people go, they're going to tell me to give all my money away. I promise you I won't. Okay? So I have, here's a few commitments. I won't tell you what to believe. I won't tell you to give your money away. I promise. What I want to do is point us to the word of God, and I want to look at some principles that we can pull out of this and say, God, how am I living according to your word? Okay? Um, so you're welcome to stay. You're also free to go. I mean, feel, I, I, don't, I want you to stay, but just know you're not stuck, okay? But I'd love for you to stay because... God's got something for us, okay? So what I want to ask is that you don't go, oh, I already budget, and I got my IRA taken care of, and I'm pretty good in my career, and so I can clue out tonight. We're actually not going to talk about any of that stuff. We're actually going to talk more about our hearts, okay? So um, if you were here a few um, weeks ago, and you heard Andy, who's back there. Hi, Andy. We love Andy. He's here tonight with us. It's awesome. Have you heard Andy and Travis talking about kind of the state of the church and where we are? And they talked about different, the survey and life groups and things. They also mentioned kind of where we are financially. Was anyone there that week? Yeah. Okay. Um, And if you're there any Sunday, that, that giving slide that comes up on the bottom right, that little number of how much we need and how much we spend doesn't match. Does anyone notice that? Okay. I do too. So this is not about that. I promise you. In January, December, January, we were going, God, what do you have for us up into the summer? And we felt like he said this month to talk about money. Has nothing, I had no idea. I don't know. So it has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with me saying, give us more money or what. Just all a weird thought. It is not, I promise. <laughs> I promise you I won't tell you what to do. Okay? Um, but I do want to just say, if you were there that Sunday, Andy did an incredible job. Yeah. And... I, I have never been in his shoes in that moment, but I was praying for him because I felt uncomfortable for him. So I just, and, and Andy, he and his family moved to help plant this church 11 years ago, and I am thankful for you, Andy. He's a man of great wisdom. He's a man of great passion. He's a man of great focus, and he's a gift to be on staff with, and he's a gift. We're here because of him, and I don't take it lightly. And I'm thankful you're here tonight. That's not why I asked. He's here for it. Anyways, but I just want to honor him and just say, he's an incredible man of God. And he's given his life for you and I to be here. And that's amazing. And it's a gift. And I'm so thankful for him. So anyways, glad you're here. So, um, okay. So here's a quick question for you. Uh, let's take the church, for example. Um, right now, 
the monthly expenditures and the money that's available don't line up. It's in the, is it in the red, right? That's what's called? Yeah, help me, financial people. You get, yeah, okay, thanks. I might need your help tonight, if that's right. Um, does that mean that we've sinned? I'm really serious. Before you answer that question, think about it. Does that mean as a church we've done something wrong? Think about it, though. Does that mean that we've gone astray? Does that mean that we should do something different? Maybe. Maybe not. What about in your life? If your, your bank account and your expenses don't line up, does, do you sometimes go towards, oh, something's wrong with my life? When, when Paul said, you guys know the verse when Paul said, I've learned to be content with a lot and with a little? I just want to submit to you that money actually has nothing to do with God's uh, love for us. There are times in great need in our life where he has been so kind and faithful and he has led us to that place of great need so he can provide for us. There are times where we are in need and God puts in our heart to give to someone else and we're like, have you seen the bills coming? But okay, we're in it and we obey him and he provides for us. There are times where, because we lived on the field for 14 years and we were on support, there were times where we had way too much money. Okay, not rolling in it, don't, don't get me wrong. We had more than we expected, I'll say it that much. People like, this huge gift comes in and we're like, what do we do with this? And so we always go back and say, Jesus, what should we do? And he'll say, it's for something to come, put it away. Or he'll say, give it away. Or he'll say, what? we're leaning towards him. So I just want to push against that belief that if I'm in need financially, I did something wrong. Because if we're going to learn to be content in a lot or a little, it's the heart of God to be with us in our need and our excess. Okay? So here's a metaphor about our money that we're going to talk about tonight. Money can either be like a vehicle. That means I get in it and it gets me somewhere. There's a purpose for money in my life and it serves the purposes of God if I allow it. Or money can be like an octopus that wraps its tentacles around me and out of fear it keeps me held tight and I think I'm secure because it feels tight on me. Money, fear of money or lack or excess, that can actually be the very thing that constricts us and holds us back. Or it can be the very thing that we say, Lord, my life is yours. My paycheck is yours. What do you have for me? How do I love? How do I give? What's a part of that? Okay. So you got that metaphor? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so um, here we go. You guys have your Bibles? If you do, that'd be awesome. It's going to be on the screen, but I love if we can touch the word together. That'd be great. We're going to go to Matthew 6. Matthew 6. So here's what we're going to do while you're turning there. Um, we're, going to, we're going to look at three different sets of scripture, and each one we're going to pull out one biblical principle that God wants for our hearts related to money. And then, hopefully, if we have some time, we're going to talk about tithing and giving, not because I'm going to ask you to give to the church, I promise, but because I care about your hearts. I really, really do. And because this subject matter is the, the common denominator of all of us, is we have money. And money serves our purposes, or fear doesn't serve us well about money. Okay? So, you guys ready? Matthew 6, verse 19. Um, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin. Does anyone's Bible say vermin? That's such a weird word. Sorry. That's just a weird word. Okay. Moths and vermin. Okay. Back to her. Where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If there is light within you, I'm sorry, if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either they will hate one and love the other, or they will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Okay? We're going to stay on this. There's, two, there's three paragraphs here. Two of them talk about money. That middle paragraph, if you're ever wondering about holiness, if you're ever wondering about if I watch this movie and it's got a little bit of skin in it, a little bit of violence in it, a little bit of something in it, is it okay, God? I'd encourage you to get on this verse. It's 22, 23. There's something about our eyes being the window to our bodies, our lives, and what we look at actually affects us. 
I'll leave it there. There's a whole lot more to that, but I'll just leave it there if you're curious. Start there and say, God, teach me. And let him lead you through the word about holiness and what he thinks about it. So, but for the sake of tonight, we're talking about money, okay? So let's start at the bottom of this. Verse 24. Jesus is comparing slavery and then being free. And he's like, you can't love God and love money at the same time, right? What are the, he, times, he talks about two different words that's like, if I'm free, this is how I'll relate with God. What are those two words? Look back in there. The positive words. Love and devoted. Okay? If I have a right relationship with God, I'm love and devoted to him. I love him and devoted to him. If I have a right relationship with money, it's underneath him. My love and devotion doesn't acquiesce towards it. Right? What are the negative words? There's two words they said. If we're in slavery, this is how we relate with God. Hate and despise. Hate and despise. So why do you think of all the things in our life that he talked about God and money here? How are those connected? Why didn't he say your family? Or why didn't he say, I don't know, your education, your career? What do you think? I've always thought it's because it's like, it's the things that can sustain you, provide for you, and like get you where you want to go. Mm -hmm. Could either be money or God. It's good. I don't know if there's another thing that like could yeah. Money could in a physical sense. Yeah, it's good. Absolutely. More money means I'm more taken care of. Yeah. In theory. Yeah, in like But not necessarily. <laughs> yeah. It's good. Okay. So he's talking about he's using this slavery analogy because he's wanting us to understand we can be a slave to God or we can be a slave to money. And there's actually a positive definition of that. It's not so my my servanthood to God is like, Lord, you're in charge, you're the master, I'm not. And so because of that, I'm going to love and be devoted to you, okay? So if we pull back to those verses above, verses 19 through 21, it helps us see what he's talking about. Don't store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin steal or destroy and where thieves break in and steal. How do we know if we're a slave to God or a slave to money? If we are storing up things on earth because it's my job to protect it, now, I don't have any, honestly, any concern of any of you in here thinking, I'm going to make a bunch of money because I want to buy a Ferrari. I don't, I don't think there's excess, but I wonder in our hearts if it's more like, am I going to be taken care of? Is the heart question inside? Am I, if I have a good job, if I got a good paycheck, if that sits a little bit higher than my expenses, then I'm secure. Conversely, did I do something wrong if those don't match up? Am I going to be taken care of? So it's more like, does my savings account reflect that he's God and I'm, a, I'm in love with him and devoted to him? And let me hear me. Your savings account can have a dozen zeros by it, and you could still be a slave to money. Your savings account can be, have a dozen zeros by it, and you could still be a servant of God. It doesn't matter how much we have. It matters about our heart and what we do with it. My life is yours, God. What should I do with it? My money is yours, my savings account, my IRA, whatever. My life fully is yours, so how do I live it out in faith? That makes sense? Okay, so we have a choice to make, and this is a, this is a determining of if, if we're leaving, living as a slave to God, a servant to him, or a slave to money. Am I storing up things that I say, if I keep it safe, then no one messes it up? And we push away the people that we think are stealing stuff from us. And no, maybe you don't have thieves knocking on your door to take your stuff. But if someone says, hey, I, my car just broke down. Is there any way I can borrow your car? If you're like, no, don't touch. Maybe, maybe there's a place of saying, how do I live open-handedly? Again, I'm not going to tell you what to do. That is not like a holy, you have to share your car now thing. That's not. It's check our hearts. The things in my life, am I keeping them safe? Am I worried they're going to get destroyed? Am I going to trust him with everything I have? Or am I going to say, ah, I'm going to keep it safe? How do we know if we're actually storing up treasures in heaven? Where our lives are free. God, everything in my life is yours. You'll protect it because it's stored up in heaven. It's not stored on this earth. Okay, so what I, am, what I want to make sure to hit on here for a minute is this doesn't mean 
Everyone has to go sell everything and be missionaries. Because you can do that and disobey God. Hear that? You can give everything away to the poor and disobey God. And be outside of his best free life. You can have, make a lot of money and have a nice car and a great home and be right in the middle of the will of God and be happy and generous and in love. Why? Because our money and our hearts are interconnected. That's how we know if we're living free. Is, is my life yours? Is my paycheck coming in? Does fear start rising up if I have car problems and I don't know what to do? Do we push past the fear or do we say, God, I trust you. What should I do with this? If you get a bonus, for example, do you say, God, what should I do with that bonus? What's in your heart for me to do? Or do we say, all right, I'm going to put this away and it's mine and I'm going to store it up. I'm going to keep it safe. Okay. Are we tracking? Okay. Um, So that's the first principle is that our hearts and our money are interconnected. And if we want to know if our hearts are fully in love with him, we look at how we relate with money and we find out, is it I'm on the vehicle and it's, it's just useful for my life, or it's like this octopus that's like constricting me and fear comes up if I have a lack, okay? So we're going to pause for a minute, because what I want to do, my desire, my prayer tonight is that we leave more, like, more in love with him as, as disciples as opposed to consumers. So I could keep talking and you don't have a chance to relate with God on this matter. So we're going to take a moment. What I want to ask you to do, you have your phone, you have a journal, you have something, okay? And we're going to pause. We're going to ask God to speak to you. And then if whatever you feel like he's saying, and maybe in this moment you don't feel like he says anything, maybe it's like he brings up something in a situation that feels like fear, write it down. Let's take it to him. He might actually say, hey, there's someone in this room that has a need I want you to give. I don't know what he'll say. Okay, so this first principle, our money and our hearts are interconnected. We're going to pause. I'm going to pray. And if you feel comfortable closing your eyes, we're just going to take about two minutes to interact with God on this personally. Okay, so Lord, we give you a moment to speak to us right now. Is there any lie we've believed about our hearts and money? Is there anything we need to know about how we live? We just give you permission right now to speak to us. Write something down if you feel like he's bringing something to mind or a situation. Just write it down so you can come back to it. We don't want to lose this moment. you, Lord. We just trust you, Father, and we give you permission. I just speak for us, Lord. We need to say as much as this in our hearts, we give you permission, God, to set us free if we're living like slaves to money, and we're thinking money's going to be our security. Thank you for being near. Amen. All right, good job. We got two more. You guys ready? Here we go. 2 Corinthians 9. Turn to the right in your Bible, if you got your Bible with you. 2 Corinthians 9. All right, we're going to be in verse 9. I'm sorry, verse 6, excuse me. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. Okay, here we go. Remember, okay, so this is the, the, just a second, the metaphor he's talking from here is like a farmer. He's talking about reaping and sowing. 
Okay, so a couple months ago in our backyard, I cleared out some grass and some old um, gardens from the previous owner, and I built um, raised beds for Jenny and I. Yeah, I know. Isn't that nice? It, yeah, um, it was great, and it is great. Uh, so we have vegetables and flowers in there and stuff. Okay, so here's the principle. We're going to read it about it in a second, but this is what he's talking about. I got, I got great dirt, and I got some more compost. I mixed it up, and I'm like, this stuff is going to live. And then I'm like, it's my job to water it, and it's God's job to bring the sun, right? I do my job. God does his job. We're going to see plants. So if I go to this great dirt, and I put a little hole in it, and I drop a seed in it, and I cover it over, and I walk away, and I water it, and the sun comes, and da-da-da, what happens? I get a plant. But if instead I say, I'm going to clear the deck, I'm going to fill this with different kinds of seeds, which is more how I like to garden than Jenny. (laughs) Jenny's like order and structure. But if I say, I'm going to fill this with seeds and plants, and then I do the same thing, and I leave, what happens? It's abundant. It's filled up. My choices determine the outcome. Okay, so the other disclaimer, I want to say this real quick. Um, I don't believe scripturally that my generosity is connected to my bank account necessarily. I don't believe if, if Kevin's in need and I feel like God's saying, hey, help Kevin out, his car just broke down or something. And, and Jenny and I pray and we feel like God's saying to, hey, help him out. And so we're like, hey, take it to the shop and I got it covered. Tell the shop to cover it, call us. And we pay for it, and let's say it costs a thousand bucks. I will not expect God to replenish my bank account a thousand dollars or more. Why? Because my generosity and my relationship with money has nothing to do with the expectation of Him giving me something back. That's a gross relationship, right? So when we read this, please don't read in the context. We understand the context that we're talking about here is, and there's a verse right in the middle that's, that speaks to this, but I am not talking about generosity like it's a, I give you this and you give me double. We have many times God has put in our hearts and we have given with no expectation from God of taking care of us in a different way. And many times, several times, it's like, we just gave this much and look how much more God just provided from someone else. You know, it's like this crazy deal, but I never expect it from God because I'm not in a relationship to use him for my needs. In a relationship because he's going to take care of my needs, right? Okay. So you guys ready? You're still in the backdrop? Okay. Remember this. We're on verse six. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give what you decided in your hearts to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered the gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Verse 10. Now he who supplies seed for the sower and bread for the food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Okay, there's a lot in there. Let's go back to the beginning. When it comes to money, we sow generously because if he calls us to, if I, if let's say Kevin has a need and I say, hey, we got this covered and I don't really feel like it's God, it's possible my generosity and God will bless. It's also possible I step outside of God's best for him because God has another way to take care of Kevin. I can usurp potentially, I know he's sovereign and I know theologically, all this stuff, but I can usurp maybe a way that Kevin can be taken care of in a different way if I step outside of God's best and I don't ask him first. Okay? So, reap and sow sparingly. Verse 7. Um, each of you should give what you have determined are decided in your hearts to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So how does, let's describe that. Look at that verse real quick. Look at the verse. Verse seven. Describe for me a cheerful giver. There's two negative words there, so turn them around. I've decided, so there's a willful choice. Not, what's the two words? Reluctantly and at a compulsion. So what is the positive way of doing that? Thoughtfully, prayerfully, prayerfully, intentionally, 
willingly. So if I want to live a life of generosity and find joy in it, that I'm willing, that I'm ready, that my life is open, my bank account is his, he's in charge. Remember, it's the car that just gets us where he wants us to go. I don't start storing up things on the earth hoping I'm going to be secure. Because my experience, I've been on the earth a long time. That extra dollar in my bank account doesn't make me any more secure than one less. The extra hundred, the extra thousand, the extra ten thousand doesn't ever really make me more secure. Because it could be gone in a second. If your parents have ever been investing in the stock market and it crashes, and you've seen the tears in their eyes because their retirement's gone, money is fleeting. Money cannot be our security. It's never designed to be our security. It's never God's intention. Okay. Um, sorry if I smiled there and if you actually went through like a hard time. <laughs> that was probably the wrong moment. I, I, sorry, I, that's not okay. I've actually know people that that happened and they're like, oh man, now what do we do? And it's gone. It was just numbers on a page and it's just all gone. It's horrible, sad. Okay, so... A cheerful giver says, not out of reluctance and compulsion. That means if we feel like God's putting something in our heart to help someone, it, like if, if it was John, and I'm like, I feel like God's put something in heart to help John with whatever's going on. With, and, and I don't go to Jenny and then 500 other people and say, hey, I'm thinking this may be God. What do you think? And if I have more yeses than noes, then I'll do it. It's also not like, I'm going to take five weeks and pray and fast and journal, and maybe I'll help John. It's actually like, God, I think this is you. What do you think? It may be that we need to take a couple days to write and journal and respond. But God, God's desire is that we as a community would be people of generosity, not slaves to money. It's not. And there are people in this room that have significant need. And there are people in this room that have significant abundance. And there's people in this room that significant need that God may speak to you to say, give to someone else. Because God's the provider of our lives. Okay? So, look at verse 9. They, um, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. So, I, speaking again to this, the purpose of money, is that th- this verse is helping us understand this idea of just, I'm going to give... And it's out of worship to him. It's my righteousness. It's my trust of him. I'm not giving, expecting him to take care of me in a different way, to provide for me something better. If I give away my car, surely I'll get a better car. Or fill in the blank. I give because it's out of worship to him, period. And my reward is him. And my reward is seeing, like example of Kevin, seeing Kevin go, oh, God's so good to take care of me. We've been in that position a few times, a few, (laughs) but the few times we have, it's like, oh, that feels so good. I got to partner with God to provide for someone, and it feels good, and it's right, and we didn't miss a dime of what we gave away. We didn't miss a dime, because he kept taking care of us, okay? So... um, This reminds me of, you guys remember when Jesus was sitting in the temple with the disciples and everyone's bringing their money in and dropping it into like the money box? And then that lady comes and drops a couple pennies in. Do you remember what happened? What did Jesus say to his disciples? What did he say? Yeah. He goes, guys, look at her. Sort of. That was my translation. (laughs) And he said, she gave more than everyone else in this room. And then did he have a promise after that? You guys remember what else he said? What's that? That was it. Yes, okay. So what's the point? God honors the woman of generosity and obedience. He said she gave out of her need. Everyone else gave out of their abundance. She obeyed him and out of worship she trusted God. Okay, so if we, if we tie those two together, what we're talking about here in 2 Corinthians and that And we actually look and say, God loves it when we give cheerfully. And God honors people like that woman. He honored her in front of his disciples. He honored her. Why? Because she trusted him with her money, that he's going to take care of me. Okay, so let's read this verse together. Go back to verse 8. Let's read it out loud. We're going to read it twice together. Verse 8. Makar, are you keeping up with all these? 
I'm kind of jumping around. Okay. Ready? Let's read this out loud. And God, read it with me. Ready? And God, yep, is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Okay? In all things at all times, you will abound in every good work. I promise if we'll live generous lives, obedient lives, God will take care of us. And everything we do, God will take care of. Again, I can't promise you that this means, cha-ching, we got a little extra money now. I don't know. But in all things, at all times, we'll abound in every good work. If this is something that's kind of like money's like, oh, I don't want to talk about this, this would be a really great verse to just linger in for a while with God. If we'll live generously and abundantly, we'll trust him in all things and always he's going to take care of us. Okay? So here's principle number two. God loves and honors us. He, he, okay, his love's not conditional. Are we okay theologically with this one? Yeah. God, okay, it says God loves a cheerful giver. If I don't give cheerfully, does that mean his love has stopped? No. no. That maybe means that my um, relation with him, there's something that hinders it. I don't lose my salvation if I know him. I don't lose access to him if I don't have a relationship with him yet. But if there's something between God and me, my money or fear of money, then something can, can affect my relationship with him. So my, his love for me doesn't change because of my choice of generosity or not. Good? We good with that? Theologically? Okay, good. So God honors and loves it when we give generously. God honors it. He honors us and he loves it when we live generous, obedient lives. Does that make sense? Everyone good? Okay, so we're going to pause for a minute. And again, we're going to interact with God with this one. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God honors if you'll obey him with your money? Do you believe that we'll find greater joy if we live generously? Do you believe that your relationship with Jesus is actually affected by your choices of money? I can't answer that. And maybe you can't either, but God can help us. So let's take a moment and ask him. All right? So again, if you've got your journal or your, your phone, you just write it down, okay? So here we go. So I'm going to pray real quick, and again, we're just going to respond to him. So Spirit of God, is there anything here that you want us to know? Is there anything you want for us to know, Lord, about your love for us and the generosity? sensing him say something or something he wants to talk to you about more make sure to capture it so you can respond to him later breeze to this next one really fast because um, I, I want us to land um, with one, one specific thing. So we're in Matthew 6. I'm going to flip back to Matthew 6. 25. We're going to read 25 through 34. And again, if you've been around church for a while, you read the Bible, this is probably familiar to you. But I, I, there's one principle I want to make sure we highlight here real quick. Okay, so here we go. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, about your body, what you'll wear. Isn't that life more than food and your body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? That's a very important question. Verse 28, and why do you worry about your clothes? See how the, the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. 
Um, and yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how the, God clothes the grass of the field, um, uh, which, is not, which is here tomorrow and to, uh, here today and tomorrow to stone in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what will I eat or what will I drink or what shall I wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your father, your heavenly father knows what you, that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to it as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow is enough worries of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Okay, so very quick, I just want to go through a couple things here. Um, he's, it's interesting how Jesus is taking the natural things of our life to be able to look at it and go, oh, if he can do that, he can take care of me. So if you ever find yourself struggling financially, how am I going to pay these bills? I'd encourage you to look at the birds and look a little longer and know, oh, God's taking care of them too. So my job at Intel doesn't take care of me or my job at, as a teacher or my job wherever it is doesn't actually take care of me. God, you take care of me. It's very important to get that in our hearts clearly. Otherwise, we're going to live encumbered and stuck. My job and my paycheck and my bank account is not my source of security. It's the relationship with him. So um, at the end, this is the one thing I want to mention real quick. Uh, The second part of verse 32. Your heavenly father knows that you need them. Some of us may need that deeply revealed in our hearts. Every need we had, he knows our need is there before it ever came up. He knows it, and he's going to provide for us. It's just when and how. Will we trust him and wait? Will we trust him and wait? Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Okay? So here's how he wants us to live. The kingdom of God is an outward expression of his love, right? His righteousness is the inward expression of his love. So if I am after these two things, then everything else is going to be fine. I'm after the kingdom of God in my workplace. I'm after his glory and his reign in my neighborhood. I'm after his, the freedom of my family to know him. And I'm also after his righteousness, meaning I'm after being whole and healed inside. I'm after the freedom that he gives me to walk out in so I'm not a slave to sin anymore. Those two things we go after and we give our life to. And oh yeah, Jesus has got everything else covered. So I don't have to worry about my paycheck tomorrow. I don't have to worry if the bills don't quite match up. God, what do I do right now? This scares me. It's a great prayer. Let's be honest. And now God help, right? Okay, so we good? So that's the principle I want us to hold on to here. Is God will, 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 he will take care of you. Period. He will take care of us. He will take care of you. He will. He will take care of you. If you're not sure, start asking him to teach you. You can trust him with that prayer because he's a good father. He will take care of you. He will take care of you. I just want to say that, that some of us need to really hear that. You're not alone. And you might have had parents or even a dad that didn't take care of you in life, and so you reflect that on God and say, yeah, he can't be safe. i got to fight and protect myself. And I just want to say he promises he'll take care of us. He does. Test him and see. Ask him. God, I don't know if I trust you'll take care of me. Be honest with him and then challenge. God, would you really show me how you're taking care of me? And if we live that way of trust, he does amazing things in our life. Okay? All right. Um, Can I have five minutes to talk about tithing? Okay. So hold on to your seats. This has nothing to do with the church need. Okay? I promise. It has everything to do with my heart because I love you. And because sometimes this concept is totally misunderstood. And sometimes this idea of tithing and giving is actually taken out of biblical context, and it's more like I filter it on how I want to live, and we live like the octopus wrapped around us. And scripture is pretty clear. Okay, so let me first be vulnerable and just say this is how Jenny and I live. Again, you are free. I'm not telling you how to live. You can do what you want. I hope you walk with God and you trust him with your finances. But for Jenny and I, we grew up in church. We've heard about tithing all of our life. Our parents were faithful tithers and all that stuff. 
There was a point in my life where I went, I keep doing this every month with this 10% thing. Why? Surely it's wrong. We had just, this wrestling for me was we had just gone overseas and we were living on support and our support was really low and our needs were really high. And we went over with two little babies and we're like, God, how in the world are we going to make this? And I got face to face with this, why in the world am I tithing? This doesn't make sense. My need is so great. So I went to the word of God and I said, I I did a search. What does the Bible say about tithing? And I looked at scriptures from Genesis. Abraham's the first one to give. It said he gave a tithe to this king, okay? Started in Genesis, went all the way through and I read what the word says about money and about tithing. And then I said, Lord, teach me and change me. And from that journey for me, it was a done deal. It no longer was mom and dad's idea. And it no longer was the pastor's job because he wants a paycheck or whatever weird thoughts we have about tithing, (laughs) okay? Okay, we good, everyone? I promise, just stay with me. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I don't want to get weird, okay? (laughs) So here's here's for Jenny and I, this is what we do. She gets paid, she's a contract worker and she gets paid every other Thursday. Because she's a contract worker, her paycheck is different every time. And so I get an email when it comes into our bank account, and right away I do the math to figure out what the gross is, and then I say, Lord, it's 10% of that, and then I get on the Antioch website and I send it in, and I say, thank you, God, for providing for our family. My paycheck is twice a month, and it's consistent, and so I have an automatic withdrawal from the gross. And we, give to, we, we, we trust God and we tithe because we want to worship and trust him. I don't expect that that money goes in and somehow Andy's going to spend more time with me because I gave a tithe or something weird like that. You know, I have no expectation of Andy or any pastor or the church. My heart's posture is because, God, I trust you. And so I give you this money. For us, it's a 10% deal. I have no people that it's 50%. No joke. I know people that say, God has put in my heart to give 50% of my income every single month. That's not what God's told us. You know, know, we'll figure that one out. But uh, for us, it's a place of obedience. All right? So I understand that was written in the Old Testament. So let me address that for just a minute. If Jesus honored the woman that gave the two pennies, the last thing she had, and he said, she's given more than everyone else, I think that standard of the heart of God is way higher than we can imagine. It's probably more than 10%. Why? Because it's about my heart, not about my money. Okay? God loves it when we give cheerfully. That's what we read earlier. God's standard of trust in him with our finances is higher than what the Old Testament tells us. The Old Testament is about laws, rules, so forth. Follow this number, do this thing, and your God will take care of you. Jesus came to fulfill the law, right? So here's my question. There's 10 commandments. Name one 10 commandment. Don't kill. Don't kill. So if that's in the Old Testament, then I should be free to go kill because I'm in the New Testament, right? No. <laughs> don't, don't repeat that. That sounded really weird. <laughs> What's another one? Um, honor mother and father. Okay. That's an Old Testament rule. So I should not. My mom lives alone. My dad left when I was a kid, and she's alone, and so I call her every Sunday night. Because I honor my mother. But it's an Old Testament rule. Why would I do that now? Jesus came and fulfill it. Do you see what I'm getting at? Here's another one. Passover's coming, right? Easter, all this stuff, Passover's coming. Um, I want everyone, because the Bible, the Old Testament tells us, to go out and buy the fattened calf that has no blemish. And I want everyone to build a big altar in their backyard. And I'd like you to sacrifice that lamb on Passover. And take the blood and put it over the lintel of your house because you never know. Okay? Why don't we do that? Because Jesus said, I am the lamb of the, uh, I'm the lamb of the world. I've come to take away the sins of the world. I'm the lamb of God. Jesus fulfilled that, that requirement. We don't have to. So sometimes people, when we talk about tithing and giving, people get really weird. And probably that means their hearts aren't free, honestly. And that's not me to determine. I'm not judging. I'm just saying take it before God. But if you start squirming when someone talks about this, you probably got to go, God, what's going on with me? I'm not free. 
So scripturally, there's a, there's a standard of 10% of the first fruits. The New Testament comes along and it doesn't, Jesus doesn't say, don't do it anymore. You're free to do what you want with your money. He actually says, that lady gave all she had. She gave more than anyone else. I'm going to honor her. Jesus actually invites us into a life free of encumbrance of finances into a place of trusting him. Okay? So, um, I want to encourage you guys to consider, not even that, I want you to consider actually, if you're not sure, get, look through the word of God. The other piece that's important here is that the tithe, biblically, is actually very clearly stated by God for the church and for the pastors. Weird enough, I know, okay, it doesn't have to go to my salary. Andy, can you read? Everyone's tithe in this room doesn't go to me, okay? It's not about me. It's about your heart. So scripturally, and I promise it's in the word, let's, you can read it. It's clear. Back then it was the priest in the temple. Is it God saying, I want to ask you, I want to ask you to invite you in a place of an unhindered life of trusting my finances and so that the priest can serve you and so that the temple can serve you. And so if you wonder about the tithe and how it all fits, it actually, God's intention biblically is not to go to the next missionary. Just, that's my understanding of scripture. It's actually, this is my church. I'm submitted under their authority and their leadership. And so I give my heart, my money to be a part of that. And so I'm no longer a consumer, I'm a contributor. So consumer be is, I come on Sunday, I soak up the AC, I listen to a sermon, I kind of evaluate it, I go eat lunch, and I take a nap, I don't remember what just happened. A contributor says, I'm showing up to give and to love. And Lord, my money and my heart are here. And there are things that I'm kind of wrestling through, what's going on, but I'm in God. Because God's inviting us to have our money and our heart come underneath his covering. Does that mean that pastors are perfect? No. If you know me, you might answer that question as no. Um, (laughs) Nor is there ever a perfect church. But there's a reason God invites us to live a life of generosity. So the people that he invites to have a profession to pastor and shepherd people are cared for. There's a reason God invites us to trust him financially so that the church which some definitions of church are houses and buildings and whatever expression is culturally, it's that there's a provision of God so we can be cared for. And so Jenny and I give, like I shared earlier, because we love to trust him with our lives. And because we know when we give, our hearts are there too. And so I give out of a trust of him. So if you go to a different church, give your money there. I don't care. It's not a big deal. What I'm just saying is that there is a call of God, an invitation of God to say where your heart is, your money is. And so if you're in with this church, if you're in with whatever church you're part of, it doesn't matter. Test him and see. See what he does. Okay? All right. So I don't have time to go through a lot of scripture on this one. But I promise it's in here. I promise. And if you, you could walk out of here and be like, ooh, we talked about tithing. Or you could walk out of here and go, I don't know if I biblically understand this. God, I'm going to get after this with you. That's a disciple. That's a contributor. A consumer sits back and goes, he wants my money. He wants to make sure that number is taken care of. He wants to make sure Andy doesn't have another uncomfortable conversation next year in front of the church or whatever, you know? That's actually, that's actually not, that's a consumer. That's not a contributor. A contributor says, my life is yours. And if this is my home church, I'm in wholeheartedly. So the tithe and then giving is on top of that. When God puts it on my heart, like I said, example for John, God speaks to Jenny and I to say, John has a need. I want to meet it. I give it not out of compulsion, but out of joy. But I don't also go, I'm going to take it out of this amount because I can't make it otherwise, God. I say, Lord, I trust you with this, and I trust you with that. And scripturally, when the Bible says that in Acts 3, it says that there's no one needy among us, it's because the people lived this way. 
the people of God, the pastors at the time, all the kind of God plan for his church is all cared for because people trusted him with their money. Okay, so Malachi 3, if you're really curious, you can read that. We were going to look at that tonight. We don't have time. Malachi 3 is the last book in the Old Testament, and there's some clarity there, but there's, if, you, if you roll back to Genesis, there's a bunch of verses. There's a bunch of it. God's pretty clear about it, okay? So here's what I want to ask real quick. Please don't leave here and say, Scott said I should tithe. Don't do that. It's a terrible motivation. What I want to ask you to do is say, God, what do you think? If I don't know, I go to the Word and you let Him teach me. But don't walk out of here saying that I or the pastor or the church told me to give, or I'm not at all. I care about your heart. That's what I'm asking, okay? All right. So we want to practice something tonight as we wrap up. That there be no needy among us. So back in the day when people had cash in their pocket, <laughs> we actually did this several times. It was amazing. We actually passed a bucket around, and we said, put cash into it, and if you have a need, take cash out of it. And we just passed it around. It was awesome. Everyone left provided for, and everyone left free. And there was more money left over every time. We can't do that tonight, because who has cash? I don't know. I have like six bucks, but I don't know why. <laughs> I have no idea why I have six bucks, but you can have it if you need it. I'm totally fine. Um, but here's what I want to ask, is, is that we can figure out for a moment here, if you have a financial need, then we want to pray for you, but I want to also ask, if we get around and pray for you, that we also take a moment and say, Lord, should I be a part of meeting that need? And if so, get their Venmo. <laughs> Or, I don't know, we can't pass the bucket. So, um, but does that make sense? I want to give us a chance to respond to this, to trust him with our money, because our hearts are going to be more liberated and free when we trust him, okay? So, if you're in need tonight of something, you need something very practical financially, we would like to pray for you that God would supernaturally provide for you. And we like to say, God, should I be a part of that? All right? So this is going to take a little boldness from some people to be able to say, are you in a place tonight where you're like, yeah, I need some help? We can give you prayer and believe in faith that God's going to answer that. And we also can say, Lord, should I be a part of that? All right? Is everyone ready for that? Okay. So why don't we stand up? Let me stand up. And as Bree starts playing her beautiful music, um, what I want us to do is, if that's you, when we start to sing, I'd love for you to come to the sides and just boldly say, this is, this is where I'm at. And then as they do, let's get around them and start praying. And as we pray, say, Lord, should I be a part of that? And if he doesn't say, don't do it. Because he's got another answer for them. But if God does, then grab them after you're praying and say, hey, how can I give to you right now? Can I get your Venmo? Can I, whatever it is. I'd love to be a part of helping you get out of your need. All right? And we're actually also, by the way, we're not actually saying, do you budget and work your money rightly? You must have messed up because you got in this place. We're not. We're saying we're the church and we're living un unencumbered and free. And the church meets each other's needs. Okay, we good with this? Okay, so it's going to take some boldness. If you feel like, yeah, I'm in that place. I need breakthrough. My car broke down. I have a need. I have rent coming up. I don't know what to do. Whatever it is, I want to ask that you feel bold enough to come forward over here. And we're just going to start praying for you. Okay? So, Drew, can you turn the lights down? Ooh. All right. Okay, so we're just going to take a few more minutes to pray. Okay, so you guys hang in there. Because what I want to do is I want to live a life of testimony. And we won't see God do miracles in our lives if we don't ask him. If we don't set ourselves up to meet needs and to be a part of the ones that take care of those needs, we won't see him provide for us. And we won't be the church. And we want to be the church. Right? Okay, so as we worship... 
If you could go to the side, if that's you, and then just keep your eyes open and go pray for people and pray that God would provide for them. You can ask them what their need is if you'd like, but pray boldly, God, let this be the week of breakthrough. And then say, God, should I be part of that? Pretty simple. If he doesn't say anything, don't do it. Or if it's like this out of joy, I'm just gonna, I wanna be a part of it. Then give, then love them, all right? Okay, so Spirit of God, we give you permission here to have your way with us. We love you. We honor you. God, we ask you what Acts says, that there be no needy among us. Would you do that among us tonight? That every need would be met by your grace. Set us free, Lord. We love you more than we love money.